So welcome back to Kuntrasinyani Shalteris Chesidis. And uh, we made an assertion in the last class that Chesidis brings out a whole new dimension, a new vitality in all the four levels of Torah uh, interpretation. And I say all the four levels, meaning there are four levels, not a fifth level, because Chesidis is that fifth level that's not a level. It's not a level. That's the whole point of it. It uh, corresponds to essence. And just like the, the Yechida of the soul is not a fifth level of the soul, but it's the essence of all the four levels of the soul. So to Chesidis uh, is like the essence of all the four levels of Torah interpretation, of course, we mean Pshat, Remez, Drush, Sait. So we made that assertion uh, in the previous class. We haven't really demonstrated that. Um, we said that it's true, but we didn't uh, give an example or an illustration. So now what's about to happen in the Mimer is a rather uh, detailed demonstration of how Chesidus is different from and also expresses itself through the four levels of Pshat Remes Drush Soit. We're going to pick up from where we left off. We are on chapter 9. There are literally an infinite amount of subjects dealt with in Torah. We want to illustrate what, how, how Chassidus looks at a subject differently than the other four uh, levels of Torah interpretation. And we also want to look how Chassidus informs those four levels. And we need to pick a subject. Well, what subject should we pick? Torah literally has an infinite number of subjects. So therefore we suggest at least one concept. We're going to bring out its explanation according to Pshat, according to Remez, according to Drush, according to Soid. As well as how Chesidis brings out a new vitality and luminescence and depth in all four of those. And then from these we will learn as sort of like a uh, case in point. That you may extrapolate the same regarding all subjects within Teda. So we're going to pick one as our case study. But really, it is meant to be an illustration of the same principle which uh, could be applied to every single subject that Torah deals with, which again is infinite. There's an infinite, infinite number of subjects Torah deals with. Okay, so which one are we going to pick? The example that we've chosen as our you know, our, uh, I guess our, 
uh, <laughs> I just can't resist because I just saw it recently. There's a beautiful interview uh, that Jem did, the Mein Counter Project, with, uh, with Mrs. Tachtel, the principal of Beis Rivka. And uh, she, she writes about how, or she spoke about how she wrote to the Rebbe, she didn't want to be the first, she's principal of Beis Rivka, but she was actually in the first class of Beis Rivka. She'd gone to another school before, not, not a Lubavitcher school. So, so she didn't want to go to a new school because, you know, they, they haven't established themselves yet. So she wrote to the Rebbe and she said, I don't want to be a guinea pig. And very forthright. And she wrote in English and you know, the expression guinea pig. I don't want to be a guinea pig. And the Rebbe wrote back, um, like, I, I think the Rebbe crossed out guinea pig and wrote pioneer. <laughs> Not a guinea pig, a pioneer. Okay, anyways, so... What subject in Torah have we chosen to be our uh, case study? Maida'ani l'fanecha chulu. We chose Maida'ani. Why? Well, we're going to give actually uh, three reasons. And, you know, as long as I'm mentioning my encounter project, I'll mention something else before we uh, give the three reasons. There's an interview with uh, Nachum Stellerman, and he writes about how his father had a grocery in Crown Heights, and he used to deliver groceries to Rebbe Tzinchana, the Rebbe's mother. And one time she offered, the Rebbe Tzinchana offered that if he had any questions for the Rebbe, that she would get an answer for him. So he said he was about to go off to college, and he was sort of thinking to himself about priorities, about what's important to keep. And so he asked the Rebbe Tzinchana, what is the Rebbe's favorite prayer? Like sort of in the back of his mind, he was thinking, you know, what prayer should I be very careful about, you know, keeping? So the next week when he came to deliver groceries, Rebbe Tzinchana brought it up and she said, I asked the Rebbe your question. And he told me his favorite prayer. His favorite prayer is Maida'ani. Anyways, that's the story. The Rebbe's favorite prayer is Maida'ani. Okay, so we've chosen Maida'ani, the Rebbe's favorite prayer. The Rebbe chose Maida'ani, which is the Rebbe's favorite prayer. The Rebbe doesn't say here that it's his favorite prayer, but apparently it is. Uh, we've chosen Maida'ani as our example. For how many reasons? Three reasons. Okay, let's, let's take a look at them. Aleph. Since... It's incumbent upon every person to accustom himself to say Maidani immediately upon awakening from his sleep and, to quote the Shulchan Aruch, thereby to remember God who stands over him and arise with zeal. Hare Amirazu. Therefore, this statement, Yesoid Adam. It is the foundation and beginning of a person's service, literally, the beginning of each day. It is a fundamental or foundational prayer. In fact, in, in, in that way, it's like the foundation for his fulfillment of all of the instructions of Torah that he will fulfill throughout the day. And really for his whole life, because every day of his life starts with this throughout the course of the day. So we've chosen because it is foundational. 
starts every day. Every day of one service of Hashem starts with the Maidani, and everything else is built upon that. Okay. Base. The meaning of Maida'ani, of, of reciting Maida'ani, is, again to quote the Shulchan Aruch, to contemplate immediately upon awakening before whom one is lying there. Before whom? Before the King of all kings, the Holy One, blessed be He. As it is written, Behold the earth and the heavens I fill, meaning everywhere, including right there in front of you when you get up from sleep. And then he will think about this through all of his affairs and all of his dealings. Meaning, you get up in the morning and you realize Hashem is right here. It's not like I have to go somewhere to start to be in Hashem's presence. I'm in Hashem's presence immediately when I wake up. And then that awareness follows us through the day. This is a general principle of Teira, a big rule of the Teira. And it's also one of the qualities of the righteous who walk before Hashem. Like it says in Psalms, in King David's Psalms, in Tehillim, I have placed the Lord before me. Always, at all times, constantly. That means to say, This should be the awareness one has all day long. So the idea of getting up in the morning and saying, Oh, Hashem is right here, right now. Um, that is a concept that is, you know, it's constant. It's a constant uh, awareness. Hashem is right here, right now. So we've chosen Maida'ani for that reason. Um, in addition to the, the previous reason we said that it's the foundation of everything else you do uh, every day of your life. So another reason is because the toichen, the, the meaning of Maidani, is the constant awareness of Hashem's presence, which is constant. Once you know it, the constant awareness of Hashem's presence, presence is constant. So in other words, it's, it's something that is we're doing, we're engaging in, or at least we're supposed to be engaging in all the time. So for that reason, it's a great example to take a look at. Okay, Gimel. Everything you do to serve Hashem, it's because you've awakened, not literally, but metaphorically, from the slumber of the vanities of the world. That's, a, that's a, uh, an expression that uh, the Rambam uses in Hilchus Tshuva. So when you wake up, you know, you know, to be woke in the Jewish sense of the word, right? That's Maida'ani. And uh, you gotta, you got to be awake to Avedis Hashem. Wake up from the slumber of being involved in following uh, the news and politics and all that stuff that seems so interesting, but it's really just professional wrestling. Yes, it is. Ask your rabbi. And if he doesn't tell you that... Ask another rabbi. <laughs> Parenthetically, the Rebbe says, now we can understand also an expression that the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Rebbe of Chabad, said. There's a little dot after the word bechemlo. It's a punctuation mark. Why? Because, pause, if you don't pause, you might think it's Bechem Rabba. 
that Rabba is an adjective modifying chemla, that the chemla is Rabba, abundant kindness. It's really bechemla, you restored my soul graciously, bechemla. Pause. Rabba monasecha, Rabba is modifying monasecha, your trustworthiness is great. Anyway, so the Rebbe Rishab said that little dot there, Tzrichim lefeishta, fanandeshbreiten in Yiddish. We have to spread that dot out, al kolayim kulay, over the whole day. really has to last all day long. So the, the idea again is why have we chosen Meida'ani, even though it's this one moment uh, of the day, because what Meida'ani symbolizes really uh, touches everything and every moment of our lives as Jews. So that's why we've chosen Meida'ani, and from that we will see, as a case in point, what the different levels of Torah interpretation look like, how they differ from each other, how Chassidus differs from them, and then we'll see how Chassidus enlivens all four of those. That's the premise. Okay. Yod. We are on chapter 10. Yod. What is the pshat of Meida'ani? And we're just going to do the pshat, the simple plain pshat. We're going to go back later and explain the pshat. We're going to re-examine the pshat in the, in the light of Chassidus. But first let's just look at the pshat on its own. It is, You're thanking Hashem for giving you back your soul. And although there's a bracha you make in the morning blessings, my Lord, my, you, retur- you returned my soul. So why is, seem, seemingly it's redundant to have both of them. Nevertheless, you still have to say Meida'ani first. Because the obligation to thank Hashem for your soul is immediate. Right when you wake up. Why right when you... See, the morning blessings you make later. After you got out of bed, you washed your hands, you went to the bathroom, then you make your morning blessings. We don't want to wait until that long. So, why? Why don't we want to wait so long? Like a bracha you make on any benefit, like eating, let's say. You make the bracha right when you have the benefit. Actually, you make the bracha before you have benefit, right? When you take a bite out of an apple, you make first, and then you take the bite. Well, here obviously it's not possible to, to say meidani before you wake up. Do you know, by the way, why it's not possible to say meidani before you wake up? Try it, get back to me and tell me why it was not possible. Anyways, so we can't make it before we wake up, but we can make it immediately or as close to as immediately upon awakening as we can. So too, the thanking Hashem for giving us back our neshama, which actually is the greatest benefit. If we try to make a blessing immediately before getting any, any benefit, well, how much more so the benefit of getting your soul back, which is the mother of all benefits. It, it includes within it, getting back your soul is a benefit which includes within it all other benefits. So it should be done immediately upon awakening. Okay, fine. Great, so you have to make that immediately. So still it doesn't explain the redundancy. We have Meida'ani and then we have Elikai Neshama. So fine, so just do Meida'ani. 
No, but we can't do that. Why not? is a proper bracha, and it has Hashem's name in it. Therefore, we have a problem. In our days, we cannot say that before we wash Nitilis Yedayim. We're going to have a problem saying Hashem's name before we wash our hands. So what did we do? At least we say, which doesn't include any of Hashem's names, immediately when we wake up. So basically, we say immediately before we wash our hands. And then later on, we have Elikai Neshama, which is a similar, I mean, the, the main point of it is the same, which is thanking Hashem for our soul. Now we still need the bracha elikai neshama because why? Key. In addition to the fact that there are more details and it's a longer prayer and it has more details, the main difference is Meidani doesn't mention Hashem's name. And as we know from the, the Gemara in, in, in Brochas, any Brocha that doesn't have Hashem's name or the mention of Hashem's kingship is not a proper Brocha. So Meidani is not a proper Brocha. That's why we still need to make a proper Brocha on the return of the soul, which is Elikai Neshama. But we don't want to wait until we can make a proper bracha because we want our thanks to be immediate, so we have the Ani, And that's why we have both. Okay. Um, continuing, we're still looking at the pshat of Ani, But we mentioned that nowadays we need that Ani. It's actually interesting. Ani is post-Talmudic. It came along after the Talmudic era. Uh, why? Because they didn't have the same problem that we have. We can understand now why in the time of the Gemara they didn't have Maida'ani, they just said Alekai Neshama. Why? Maida'ani doesn't have anything that Alekai Neshama uh, doesn't have. Meidani, whatever, in other words, whatever Meidani has, Elikai Neshama has, and Elikai Neshama has even more. The Masha Hitzrichu Leimish Achshav Gam Meidani, the fact that we have to say Meidani, even though uh, content-wise it doesn't add anything new, the reason we do it, you know, the reason we have Meidani is because, precisely because it doesn't have Hashem's name in it, we can do it right immediately when we wake up. We may have, but in their days, in the times of the Gemara, they would actually say immediately when they woke up. They didn't have the same problems with purity uh, that we have. So they didn't need Maida'ani because served that purpose by being able to you know, recite it immediately when they woke up. All right. So that is Maida'ani according to Pshat. Basically, it is a prayer that was specifically constructed to be possible to recite immediately upon awakening. And therefore, it was specifically made without Hashem's name or, or kingship mentioned, so there wouldn't be any problems of needing to uh, wash our hands or purify ourselves before, uh, before reciting it. All right, so that's the simple shot of Maida'ani. Let's continue. 
Now let's look at it according to Remes. What is Maidani according to Remes? Remes means allusion. It means a meaning that is not exactly the literal meaning, but it's like one step, it's like one jump away, uh, like a reference or an allusion. That's why we call Remes allusion. Uh, sometimes Remes is translated as hint, but uh, allusion or reference, that might be more uh, accurate. Waking up in the morning is an allusion to the revival of the dead, the, the resurrection. As uh, the Gemara says, that sleep is a 60th of death. Waking up in the morning is a little tiny little bit like the resurrection. That's why we say, you return to me, my soul, great is your trustworthiness. From this that you returned my soul on a daily basis, we can therefore conclude, great is your trustworthiness, that you will even revive the dead. So based on Hashem's trustworthiness on a daily basis, returning souls to the sleeping, we can um, predict or uh, get a sense of the great trustworthiness that will be evident when Hashem returns the souls to those who have passed away. Okay, that is Remez. That is the Remez interpretation of Maida'ani. All right, let's continue. Inyani shal Maida'ani chulu al pichele kadrush Here's Maida'ani according to Drush. The fact that Hashem returns our souls renewed to us each day, uses the expression, renewed each morning. That Hashem returns the soul that we deposited by Him, and He doesn't hold it back, meaning He doesn't um, tell us, what do you, what are you going to do for me if I, if I give it back to you, right? He doesn't play that game with us. He just gives it back to us. This shows Hashem's great trustworthiness, that even though He has something of the greatest value of ours, He doesn't use it for leverage. He gives it right back. From this we can expound, that's what Dershim means, we can expound and we can learn out, meaning it's not really what this is about, but you can expound another lesson from it, that so to a person should be this way, like Hashem is, we should be this way, we should be so reliable. And what does that mean specifically? You're not allowed to withhold an article entrusted to you because somebody has a debt to you. Just like Hashem doesn't use the leverage and say, oh, now I got your soul, now I'm going to make you agree to give pay up all the mitzvahs that you owe me, right? No, he doesn't do that. He gives it right back. doesn't use it for leverage. So too, we learn a law that if somebody... Uh, has a deposit by you. And I'm not talking about collateral that he gave specifically for the purpose of securing the loan. I'm talking about if you happen to have something of somebody's and then they also become your debtor, you're not allowed to say, oh, well, until uh, you pay me the debt, I'm going to hold on to your thing. No, be like Hashem. And that's what the drush is. All right. 
We have one more, one more level. The Kabbalistic, the esoteric explanation of Maida'ani. And I'm going to just get you prepared by saying, this is Kabbalistic and this is esoteric. So if it makes no sense, that's okay. That's to be expected. I, I, and we went to Pshat, Pshat made sense, right? You want to thank Hashem for giving back your soul immediately. That makes sense. Well, Pshat usually does make sense. Remez was... Just like Hashem is worthy to give you back your soul when you wake up, Hashem is trustworthy to give us back our souls uh, you know, to those who are in need of resurrection. Drush is just like Hashem doesn't use the soul as leverage, uh, so too a person should not say, I'm not giving you back your property because you owe me something. All those things are kind of relatable and, and we understand them on a simple level. Please, please, please do not say, I do not want to get any emails or letters saying, what was the site? I didn't understand the site. You're not going to understand the site. That's the whole point. But we're going to go back to all of these and we're going to unpack them at length. So don't worry about it. All right. That phrase, living an eternal king, you know what that is? That's malchus as it is united with your site. The ultimate sphere as it is united with the penultimate sphere. Ki melech, why? Break it down further. Melech made al-sphira samalchus. Melech means malchus. Vechai vekayom, l'sphira si yasoid. Vizel melech hai vekayom, shechzar to be nishmosi. And then when we say, melech hai vekayom, shechzar to be nishmosi, right? Melech hai vekayom means malchus and yasoid as they unite with each other. And when they unite with each other, shechzar to be nishmosi, my soul comes back. Shachzaris and Neshama, that the return of the soul, when Malchus unites with Yesod, that causes the souls to come back to bodies. I told you very clearly we're not going to understand it. But anyways, that's the statement. And that's typical, like, Kabbalistic stuff. You know, different spheres and spheres are uniting. And, okay, that's what happens. So Malchus, as it is united with Yesod, causes the souls to come back. That's what it is. Okay, fine. So those are four levels we have learned, and uh, that's what we got. That's what we got so far. I mean, that's Hashem. What we're going to do, we're going to go on, not tonight, but we're going to go on, and we're going to learn the explanation according to Chsidis, and then we're going to take Chsidis and shine that light through all the other four levels and see how they come to life in a new way. Okay, thank you to everybody.